Pastor Zane and Sharon Hahn have recently retired from over 50 years in the ministry. Amen. Pastoring the last 18 years at Burbank Worship Center and uh, down in Southern California. Now they're up here, transitioning up here. And uh, they could choose to go anywhere in church. Just because their kids go here, they don't have to go to church here. Amen. But they've made, chosen to make this their church home, and we are so blessed to have them a part of our family. And uh, so it's my privilege and honor to welcome Pastor Zane Hahn to bring the word this morning. Would you welcome him as he comes this morning? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, I want to say this. It's, we knew that at some point we were going to transition up here. We didn't know it would be this soon. The Lord had another plan, and we're glad. And uh, we honor Sue and Don. They're our pastors now. For many years, people sat under my ministry, but now I get to sit under my pastor's ministry. We're blessed to have them as, your, as our pastors, and you know that. So that's why we're here, because they preach the word I want to hear. And they preach the truth that I want to hear, and they walk the line that I want to walk. So we're honored to be here, and I want to thank my pastor for allowing me to grace his pulpit today. It's a privilege. It's an honor. And it's nice, always nice to have my children present, and uh, they've allowed us to live in a granny flat on their property, and uh, they take good care of us. So we're blessed. You know, I've always said if I win the whole world to the Lord and I lose my children, what good is my ministry? But all of my children are serving the Lord, all my grandchildren, and that's the greatest heritage I have. I have a 21-year-old grandson by the name of Blaise. My daughter's oldest son just went to Austin, Texas, and I said, well, we left Texas. I said, but evidently I planted seeds for you to go back and <laughs> water and grow. Went to Austin, Texas. He just turned 21 and started a brand new church. He's a great worship leader, and the church is going great. And uh, I'm really excited about that. He's a fourth-generation immediate preacher, but we have 38 pastors and evangelists and missionaries in our family. Wow. I called him, and I said, Blaise, you have a lot to live up to. <laughs> Praise God. Well, bless you people today. Father, we thank you today because we know you. We've experienced you and we have life eternal. But Lord, we thank you today that your word lives in our heart and it's the measuring stick of our life. So today as we minister through you, the bread of life, Lord, we ask that you would just anoint our minds, our spirits, our hearts, our bodies, our words, and that when we leave this place today, that something will have dropped into each of our hearts that we will carry to eternity. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you today about what do you say? What do you say? Our words dominate our lives. Your words can be filled with faith that will stir heaven and bless humanity, or they can be filled with doubt. But whether they are filled with faith or with doubt, your words will 
dominate the circumstances of your life. Your words determine daily what your day will be like, what your week will be like, what your month will be like, what your year to year will be like, what your family will be like, what your business will be like, what your life will be like, what your relationship with God will be like. Your words will determine your future. We don't realize. that We hear this expression, we've heard it for years. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's probably one of the biggest lies that Satan's created. Because words can either hurt or they can heal. He says that we are ruled by our words. There's power of life and death in our words. You can light a fire with your words or you can put a fire out with your words, you say. You can speak a word to somebody and you can kill them in their spirit as dead as if you shot them with a gun. They'll walk around like a zombie, spiritually speaking. Or you can speak a word of life into them. You can bring healing to them. You can bring comfort. You can bring joy. You can bring peace. You can bring something into their life that will raise them above their circumstances. This week, we just opened a business downtown. We're excited about that. We didn't want to just sit around. All of my friends decided to sit around, and they're dying off by the drove. My dad used to say, I used to get a kick out of him. He's 92 now. My mom's 90. But he used to say, Marge, we just got home in time for the game shows. I said, that is not going to be me. <laughs> I am not going to live that life. I'm going to do something, keep my mind active and do something. So we've done that. But into the store this week came a millionaire. He's worth $100 million. He, worked, he bought a piece of property over here. And is it Greenwood or... Yeah, beautiful new home. And he's asked my wife to, he loved our store and loved what she's doing there. And so his wife has invited my wife, and they're going to pay her to decorate their home. But they came in, and they're ungodly people. It was very evident. You could tell that they were people of means. But here they are. They walk in. He's very sick. He's just walking, and he's walking stiff, and he's holding his stomach, and he's telling us that his liver is shot, and they're going to do it. He had surgery uh, Friday here at Marshall. And they're going to put all kinds of needles, and they're going to try to do something with his liver. And I'm sure I didn't ask him, but they looked like alcoholism had taken its toll on both their lives. So we were talking, and he wanted to know what I had what I had retired from. And I said, I'm a retired minister. He said, oh. Oh, she said, you're better people than we are. I said, no, we're not. I said, just by the grace of God. And so anyway, he was telling, pouring out his heart about his sickness. And so I was sitting behind the desk there, and I got up, and I walked over to him. I said, give me your hand. Stretched out his hand, put it in my hand. And I said, would you mind if I speak into your life and uh, pray over you? He lit up. He just kind of. So we prayed, and I spoke words of life over him. And I believe that the Lord's going to allow us to lead them in, to him. Open that door. But we spoke the word over him. He lit up. He started walking briskly, walked out the door, and he stopped and said, I'll never forget your prayer. I'll never forget your words. It changed him. We had another young gal come in this week who 
had a devastating circumstance. I won't go into it, but in their family, she's devastated. She just, got, just started pouring out her heart. Just, started, just broke and cried and started weeping in the store. And I walked over to her and took her hand. She gave me her other hand. I said, can I minister to you? The, word gave, the Lord gave me words for her, ministered to her. Words are so important. So we've had a, we have a transition ministry now. We had a prophetic word before we came up this time. And the prophetic word was, you're going to go into business, but you're going to have a transition of ministry. That, that we have given you a heart of compassion for people, and we're going to lead people to you, and you're going to lead them to the Lord. You're going to bring healing to their lives. But without faith, say without faith. It's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe in he, that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 4.2 talks about that reward. It said that there were people that came and heard the word like today. They were sitting, hearing the same word as all of us will hear today. But some of them left unchanged. Some of them, their circumstances didn't change, their lives didn't change Nothing was touched, nothing was transformed, nothing took place in their life spiritually, nothing brought life to them. They walked out as dead as they came in. It said, the word did not profit or did not bring a reward to them because, why? They didn't mix it with faith. So you're here today, you have to come and you have to enter in. If you're going to get something out of this today at all from the Word of God and you leave this place with something in your heart, you have to mix it by faith. You have to enter in by faith or it won't profit you. There'll be no reward spiritually for you. You'll walk out just the way you came in. How many know that that happens every week? It happens at Solid Rock. People every Sunday come in here. And some of us bathe in the goodness of God. We take in the word of God. We take in the presence of God. We flow with the moving of the Holy Spirit. And we leave and we're changed. We're transformed. We take that with us all week. And others come in and it's almost like, oh, what are you going to do for me today? Is the circus on today? It's not a circus. We come here to minister, first of all, to the Lord. We came here to raise him up, you see, and to love him. And then in turn, he reciprocates and responds to us. Hebrews eleven six 6 that we just quoted, you see. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. This scripture tells us that God demands that we have faith if we are to please him. I've said many times that if God demands that we have faith when it's possible for us to have faith, we have a right to challenge his justice because that would be unjust. But this is possible for us to have faith because God's word says it's possible. How many know to, that the moment you come to Jesus Christ and you make him your Lord, that at that moment the Bible says that you've been given a measure of faith? Now, he doesn't go over here and say, okay, Pastor Don, I'm going to give you a double barrel shotgun full, boom, and then he goes over here and he says to Mike, I'll give you a squirt gun load. No, equal amount. If I were to 
bring a cake in here today and cut it like that, you would get a piece. And you would get a piece, but it would be an equal piece, you see. If God didn't give us the same amount, then he's unjust. He's unfair. He's not who he says he is, you see. But he says that we all have that same measure of faith. So when you come to God and you give your life to him, at that moment he drops a measure of faith into your life. But he doesn't expect that measure of faith to stay there. It can grow. Paul said, grow that faith exceedingly. You see, we can grow that faith. So as we come, that's why it's important when people come to Jesus Christ, newcomers, brand new babies in Jesus, that they have mentors that get around them. And that you encourage them to get into the men's group, to get into Sunday school class, to, to get into church. And if you have to go pick them up or call them on the phone or bring them or whatever you have to do, you need to get them here so that they don't go right back into the world because the minute they receive Jesus, the enemy's there wanting to pull them right back out. He wants to. So it says that some seed, you see, went into stony ground, some into good ground. But when it goes into a new baby convert, we need to make sure that the enemy doesn't come to steal it. So you need, if you know somebody that just came to the Lord, you need to make it your business to encourage them in the Lord. You need to speak words over them daily of encouragement. Words are important. They not only dominate your circumstances, but you can dominate somebody else's circumstances with your words. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. You hear that? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. You can't get faith any other way but by this. Nobody can give it to you. Nobody can pass it on. It doesn't get passed on from mom and dad automatically or, you see, from the church you go to or whatever. No, you have to get into this. And if you don't get into this, then you don't grow. It's like some people come to a place in their life and they wonder why things don't happen. You know why? Because they wrote a check that bounced. Yeah, they didn't put any faith into their spiritual bank account. So when it came time to get healing or to get financial help or something, there was nothing in the account. It was like writing a bounced check, you see. There was nothing there. You have to grow faith. You have to put more faith in all the time in your spiritual bank account. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. Now, you can hear it from the pastor. You can hear it from different sources, from the television, wherever the word's preached. But you know what? I traveled for eight years as an evangelist. And I was out there a lot of times by myself. And the whole time I was out there, the enemy would attack me at night especially when I go back to my hotel room. Sometimes I'd have to get up in the middle of the night. And I'd just have to take this thing and literally stick it in his face. And read it out loud so that my ears could hear it and faith could come. I've done it many times. And my wife and I never trust anything else. When, when a crisis comes, we go to the Word, and we read it out loud to one another. We walk, and we read it, and we quote it, and we speak it. We've spoken words over our children for years out of the Word. Out of Isaiah, our children are taught of the Lord. You see, great is their peace. 
I never, I never raised my kids to let the world have them. No. I can't tell you how many times I got in the devil's face. Sometimes over that one right back there. And his brother. But look where he is today. Serving God. Yeah, serving God. Spoke a lot of words over him. How many know that I've seen people, you know, you can speak all kinds of words, but I've seen mothers in the grocery store with their little children walking. We can't afford that. No, we can't afford that. We can't afford this. You know, that's the worst thing you can do. You put a spirit of poverty and lack on your child. If you can't afford it, say this. We're not buying that today. We don't need that right now. Oh, yeah. Not, not we can't afford. A lot of times we couldn't afford things. But we never lived and spoke like we were poor, even though we were poor. <laughs> but you know what? And you know what I hate worse is to have see somebody that has a lot of money speak like a poor man. It gulls me. I want to say, I hope God blesses you to the other side of the track someday. I had a guy in my church, friend, golfing buddies. Every week we played twice a week, golf. And whenever else we could sneak out and do it. <laughs> he was a multi-millionaire. When I went to that church, he had been a very wealthy man. But he went through some hard times. And he was, kind of, he was away from the Lord. Even though he was a board member, he was away from the Lord. Well, I got him back on the right track. Gave him a prophetic word. And he became a multi-multi-millionaire. Huge, huge business. Traveled all over the world. But you know something? We're talking about tithes today. He would give, he ran all of his salary and everything through his business. Just a minimum salary, you know. But he, he would come, we'd play golf, and he'd say, you know, man, I made a half million dollars on that deal last week. I made two million on that investment there, you know. He'd tell me this all the time. <laughs> I don't see it in the church. I mean, we're hurting. I don't see it in the church. You're on the board, too. Yeah. Not for long. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, I was praying one day, and he, he was making all these millions, but, he, you know, he'd, he'd pay on his regular tithes on his little check. But what about paying on that business? What about that? You ever think about paying some of you men that have businesses, paying tithes on your business? God expects it, and he'll bless it. I've seen it right there. I'm sorry for using him as an example. First thing I taught him, when you go in business, you tithe off the business too. And the first fruits too. I was praying one day. I said, oh, I won't call his name. But I said, what in the world? Let's say his name was Jim, which it isn't. So why, Lord, why does he make all these millions, but he's not tithing, he's not, he's not honoring you, he's cheating you. Why? And you know what the Lord spoke to me? The Lord told me that I wanted to make him a billionaire, and he doesn't know it, but he missed out. See, we never know. And when you give to the Lord, you never know when it's coming back or how it's coming back or where it's coming back. We've given over the years, and I don't know how we got on to this, but it's good anyway. <laughs> we've given over the years, you know, we've given cars, we've given food, we've given 
groceries, and we've given everything to give. Somebody came our way, they were hurting. It seemed like the Lord sometimes said, Lord, really? <laughs> but no, we gave. No, we gave. But over the years now, and even now, it's coming back. And it, and it came back in strange ways sometimes. In, in ways we never, I, sometimes I'd go and we'd, we'd visit a church. Or we'd be having off time and we'd walk into a church, a large church, where they didn't even know us. <laughs> and the pastor would get up and say, hey, that couple right back there in the back. Get out in the aisle. The Lord just spoke. We're going to take an offering for you right now. And we get thousands of dollars. They didn't even know who we were, and we needed it. That's happened again and again and again. It happened to me in, in a big faith convention. You know, it happened to me with, you'd know their name if I told you. Called me out and, and personally gave us, you know. So you don't know how it's going to come. We've had people just walk up on the street, didn't even know us, said, you know, I don't know who you are, but the Lord said, give you this. Hand us hundreds of dollars. If you're faithful, if you're honest, let me tell you, if you're honest with God, he will be honest with you. But if you're not, he can't bless you. He can't do a thing for you because you're not honoring his word. Well, well we better come back here. <laughs> Mark, Mark eleven twenty three says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Hmm. You need to realize that confession proceeds possession. Confession proceeds possession. Most people want to possess the blessing first, whether it's salvation, baptism in the Holy Spirit, healing, or an answer to prayer. And then they'll confess it. But notice Jesus said, he shall have whatsoever he saith. You see, at the time you say it, you don't have it. That's because confession proceeds possession. He said, what? Speak. Speak. Say it. You see as if you had it. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. The phrase have faith in God, the Greek literally says, Have the faith of God. Or we could say it like this, Have the God kind of faith. It describes the God kind of faith. Whosoever shall say and, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I want you to notice two things here. The God kind of faith, number one, you must believe in your heart that what you say will come to pass. And number two, you must believe your words, you must believe the word of God in your heart, and then you must believe that the word of God is on your lips Doing that gives you power over demons, disease, circumstances, or whatever. Many times people say, oh, I wish I had that kind of faith. Well, the Bible says you do. Don't make God a liar. The Bible says you have faith. In fact, you got it when you came to the Lord. And you should have more by now if you're growing your faith, if you're walking in faith. The Apostle Paul didn't say we are 
trying to get the same spirit of faith or we are hoping to get it. He didn't say we might get it sometime. He said, 2 Corinthians, having the same spirit of faith, which is present tense, that means we have the same spirit of faith now. The Bible says now faith is. That means what? I make my list today. I do it every my week. List. I make my list today. I don't always complete it that day. But I make my list, and I step into it by faith. And I apply my faith and appropriate it to that list. Okay? Blessings without appropriation are as blessings, you see, unprovided. Okay? So what? Now faith is. Hope is for tomorrow. So I stepped in. Now it becomes faith. It's hope. Now it's faith. Hope. Now it's faith. Hope. Now it's faith. You see. Every day you have to apply your faith. Some of you had to apply your faith to get out of bed this morning. Yeah. Some of you might have had some, we'll say, Arthur visit you? Or an old injury? Or some kind of an illness? Listen. Every day I get up and I tell the Lord, you see, by your stripes I'm healed. I'm walking in health today. I said, your blood is flowing in my veins. All my organs are cleansed. My blood is pure. My muscles are strong. My bones are strong. You see, my mind is being renewed. And all the, all the cells in my brain, I'm not going to have any kind of dementia or anything else. I'm going to have a fine mind until you either take me or you come. Every day, I have say those words. I quote the Word of God every day over my health, over my family. I do it every night. And I quote it over a number of people that I'm praying for. I have a good friend who's a missionary friend. He's been fighting cancer now for three years. I talk to him every week. Just a young guy in his 50s. He had to leave Europe as a missionary, him and his wife, because he's fighting cancer. It's all through his body. But now he just called me for the first time. I pray for him all the time. He calls me dad. Prayed for him. And he called me and said, for the first time, the doctor said, you are cancer-free. He said, I've never heard the words. But get this. In the middle of his cancer, while he's going through this, his wife tells him, it's not my fault you got sick. I'm divorcing you. There's words for you. And I'm turning your daughter against you. He called me and he was devastated. But he has such faith. And he kept such a positive attitude. And now he's, we're just praying now that he gets off all the resistance drugs so that he can start traveling back to Europe. They've kept him as a missionary understanding that this was not him that caused this to happen. We, we just couldn't believe it. We've known this couple forever. They're like our own kids. You never know from day to day. But if your life is not built on this, I'm going to tell you, when you walk through the fire, you walk through the flood, or you walk, you see, through a tough time, if you don't have it together here, you're going to fall apart at the seams. You're going to crumble. You're going to cave in. You're going to take a dive. You're going to blame God. You're going to get bitter. You're going to get angry. And you're going to blow up. We got a lot of phony Christians, I'm sorry to say. 
go through the motions. Come in, they look as good as anything. But I'll tell you, the minute a little pressure comes, oh, <laughs> start blaming. And they come and they say, Pastor, what do I do? What do I, I said, do the word. I don't have another word for him. Do the word. Don't be a hero only. Do the word. You've been letting it come in here and out there. You're not a very good hearer. Do the word. We need to you know, start standing on the word like we've never stood on it before. Pastor preached a great message and told us what we're facing, all the stuff. Preached on the Constitution. What a great message. What great stuff he showed us and told us about. Probably some of you didn't even know a lot of that stuff was going on. Or maybe you never heard the Constitution ever read to you. Well, that, that's what we face. But if you're not grounded, if you're not rooted and grounded in the Word, you see, I tell you, something's going to come your way, and you're going to lose it. I'm sorry, but you're going to lose it. And you're going to whine like a baby. Grow up. Paul said, I'm sick of feeding you the bottle. I want to give you some meat. It's time that we start getting, you see, in and eating the filet mignons. Quit chewing around on the pacifier. You see, that's true. As a pastor, sometimes my heart just broke because I see people that should know better. They came up in the church, raised just like me. What happened? What happened? Something's wrong. You see, it's time for us to, in, in, in a way, get serious about things. And we need to change this here. I've had to change a lot of things here. I'll give you an example. My favorite thing is, you stupid idiot. <laughs> I still have a problem with it. Somebody cuts me, you stupid you know. None of you did that, just me. And my wife, honey, stop it. But I had a little grandchild in the back. And so a guy cut me off, and I heard her right there, you stupid idiot. Oh. Oh. I used to go and clean the church. Blaze was a little guy. And I used to go through the church, and we, we rented it out to several other congregations, and they'd do damage and just tear up stuff that we paid for, and they wouldn't fix it and make it right. Upset me. I walk in one, he'd follow me around. Evidently, I said, oh, no, and I voiced my opinion. And so we walked in there one day, and he came to visit us, and we were in the office. He said, come on, Papa. We said, let's go see what damage they did today. <laughs> Oh, what's your words, I tell you. <laughs> well, hmm. well, we will either rise to the level of our confession or we will fall to the level of our confession. The Old Testament, Caleb and Joshua had the same spirit of faith. Moses said, let us go up, or, uh, uh, before Moses, but they said, let us go up. You see, we're well able to overcome it. The other ten men, you remember, <laughs> they went up with them. What did they have to say? They said, we be not able to go up and possess the land. You see, I have a little, a little thing about them going up to spy out the land, you see. And I call it, you know, curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> killed ten of them. <laughs> They were there just curious. I don't think they ever, ever went up with any kind of a plan 
to see if they could really take it or anything. I think their minds were set before they ever went there. But Caleb and Joshua, they were of a different spirit. They went up to really believe that they could possess the land. And they came back, and guess who got to possess the land? They did. And the other ten, in their progenity, never made it. Possession, you see, is after confession. And you'll look at in Joshua chapter 1, and in the 11th verse it says something interesting. God told Joshua, pass through the host and command the people, saying, prepare you victuals, you see, for in three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God gives you to possess. Joshua had to go in and confess before all of them and get them, you see, to believe, you see, that God was going to do it. He had to speak it first. He had to speak it first. Speaking to those things. That be not, Romans 4, 17. Speaking of those things that be not as though they are. I can't tell you how many times I've had to do that. How many situations I've had to look at over the years that looked absolutely impossible, devastating, like there was no way. If I were to tell you some of the stories I don't have time today that my wife and I have been through, you'd say, no way. Oh, I'm, I'm like your pastor. I'm one of those... Guys that had a bad time in my life one time, you know. Wasn't always on this side. Thank God I am now. Yeah. I used to sing in those nightclubs, and I used to manage the three biggest nightclubs in San Francisco. Being bad. Contracts on my life by the mob. I got involved with the wrong people. I mean, but that's another story. But, but here I am today. My dad used to come in. Talk about where he used to come into my nightclub. He'd sit right up at the bar. And just he'd, he'd say, son, please, you don't belong here. The call of the ministry's on you. I didn't raise you. And he'd pray for me right there at the bar and everybody looking on. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Embarrassing. But guess what? He got me out. And she stuck with me. <laughs> she prayed me out of it. So you just never know. She used words. You know, and my mother-in-law and her, all the time I was on that side, they never said one ugly thing to me. They prayed for me and loved me like I was a good boy. That's right. They did. And spoke all the time positive to me, spoke the word over me, prayed for me, and never judged me. They had every right to judge me. But see, those words, they took root. I feel, I'm going to close this. I feel like there are people here today, maybe you're a husband. And maybe you're one of those kind of men that just is a macho type guy, tough guy. And you just feel like you have to rule the nest. And maybe you say some really ugly things at times to your wife and to your children. You can change that today. You can change the whole thing. I'm going to tell you something, mister. 
that respect is earned. It isn't a given. I want, you wonder why some wives rebel and why some children rebel? Because the man of the house has a rebellious spirit. Rebellious against God in the way that he intended us to act. If you're here today and you've seen that pattern in your life, you can change it. You can come to the Lord today and say, Lord, I want to change. I don't want to be that guy that's hard-nosed anymore. It has to be my way or the highway. And I'm not going to talk ugly to my wife anymore and browbeat her, treat her like a doormat, and that I always have to be right. You can change that today. Maybe your wife, though, that's here today, and you stir things up in your family. Maybe you just have one of those that just goes all the time and just upsets your husband. Maybe you, maybe you put him down. You know what? A woman can put her husband in the grave or she can give him a long life. Did you know that? I've seen it again and again. I've seen women browbeat their husbands, put them down, belittle them, yak at them all the time. Until after a while, he just gives up. He said, no matter what I do, it's wrong. I can never please her. I can never do anything. Maybe you're one of those today, and you know it in your heart. You know that you, know you, you need to tone it down. You need to get straightened up. Or maybe you're a boss on the job. You treat your employees unfair. And you speak unkind words to them, and you browbeat them and put them down. Maybe they're, a diff, maybe they're of an ethnic culture that you don't like or something, and you speak things about them and to them to intimidate them and hurt them. You need to change your mouth. You need to start speaking blessing over them. You start treating them like human beings. They're the ones keeping your business alive. Maybe you're a young person here today. Maybe you just have a rebellious spirit. You say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. You need to submit, first of all, anybody that's in rebellion. First thing they need to do is submit to the Lord. If you don't ever submit your life to the Lord, whether you're a woman, a young person, or a man, whoever you are, if you never, first of all, submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll never come under a rule or relationship with anybody. It first has to be here, and then it's here. Whoever you are in God, is who you'll be here. You can't fool people all the time. If you don't have a relationship here, it's going to show right here. I can be in your presence five minutes and I can tell you exactly where you are, what kind of a person you are, and what you're up to. You can't fool me because God's given me a great spirit of discernment. I can tell you right now, I can be in a crowd and I can pick out those that are as phony as a $2 bill. I can walk into a room and know who's not cutting it. I'm, that's not a brag, it's a gift. But it can change. We all had to change. I had to change. I had, somebody, I had a spirit of anger. So bad. I mean, it ruled me. Nobody stood in my way, big, little, or in between. I would take you down. It would take 10 to pull me off of you. 
I thought I was going to be a champion boxer and never ended up there. But I heard a lot of people. And I had to call someone when I came to the Lord, call them back and repent and say, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm a different guy now. I repent. Will you forgive me? Maybe, maybe you're out there today and need to do the same thing. See, I was raised, and my folks were good folks, and things have changed now, but there was a day growing up when my brother was their favorite, my little brother. He still is. But, <laughs> but I was always told he was the bright one, the smart one, was going to end up somewhere, and I was the stupid one, and I was going to end up nowhere. Well, things have just kind of reversed over the years. But that stuck with me. And my dad was a Pentecostal preacher in a small community when I was young. And he was the only Pentecostal preacher in town. And so when kids picked on me, my dad wouldn't let me defend myself. And so they beat the living daylights out of me. Finally, the principal of the school told my dad, he said, I know you're preaching what's going on, but he said, you need to let your son defend himself. Well, when he cut me loose, I did. <laughs> they had the four nice winter boys used to pick on me every day, brothers, lay for me. Well, I took them all out. <laughs> Not proud of it, but that spirit grabbed me. It, it got a hold of me. And over the years, it got worse and worse and worse that I finally had to come to the Lord and say, Lord, you just have to take this out of me like a cancer. You just have to take it out of me like a cancer because it's there and I can't seem to control it. And when he did, my whole life changed. My whole life changed. Changed towards people that I didn't care for, treated ugly and mean and spoke about. I had to go repent and straighten that all up. Some of them I didn't want to straighten it up with, but I, I did. I was a young pastor, just starting as a young youth pastor. And he hired me in my first youth pastor. And the pastor, when I went to work for him, one of the things he asked me to do was remodel the church. I did. I remodeled it this, that. But I also directed three choirs. <laughs> I was a youth pastor. I had 150 kids. And I filled the pulpit most of the time because he traveled most of the time. He was gone. And one day he just called me in, and he, was, he got jealous. And I had no reason because I was loyal to him. But he told me I had a full scholarship to Oral Roberts University. man in the church who was a contractor, a logging contractor, had a mill pay my way to Oral Roberts. Well, he saw that that didn't happen, and he told me, I'll see you out of the ministry. I'll destroy you. For a few years, I couldn't even look at a preacher. I was hurt so deep. But we, later on, I got healed, and I went to, we went to a general council. Here was this pastor that had been so ugly to me. And I walked up to him, and I said, I want to ask you to forgive me for the, the, what happened between us back there. He said, well, it's about time. He 
said, you deserved it. Walked away from me. And the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, it's all right. You did the right thing. You're healed now. You don't owe that anymore. You see, something about it when you get things straightened. I'm going to close here, but I just feel like there's some people here today that have some issues in their life that just seem to hang them up all the time. It could be anger. It could be jealousy. It could be lust. It could be, you know, it could be lying, cheating. It could be even simpler than that. Just something, you see. How many knows that the enemy knows the pattern of your life <laughs> better than you do? Yeah. They're called familiar spirits. He knows the pattern. He knows exactly how to suck you back in and have you repeat that pattern again and again. You say, I just got forgiveness and I did it again. Well, get forgiveness again. Keep coming back. It'll take. One of these days, it'll take. It did for me. It will take. Just keep coming back to this house where the words preach and where you're encouraged and you're loved and you don't have to be judged. But people will get around you and they'll help you through it. You got a pastor who loves men and women and young people and he loves to see them come to the Lord and see their lives changed. Just keep coming and just keep coming. Every time an altar call's coming, come, come on down. Don't stay back there. Come down again. Get touched by God again. Something will change. But it starts here. Right here. You got to change this. You got to change your words. You got to change your words. First of all, you have to admit, I've got a problem. And only God can fix it. I want to say that. Everybody say that with me today. I've got a problem. Come on, don't be bashful. I've got a problem, and only God can fix it. And we all know that whoever you are here today, nobody's without a problem. I don't care how holy, how holy you think you are. That's hard for me to get that word out sometimes. Let's stand. I want you just to touch the one on the other side of you. Put your hand out. Take hold of their hand. Yeah, right across the aisles. Just make a big old chain across there. The Lord kind of took me another different direction today. He does that sometimes. But I know why. Father, right now, as these people are joining their hands, what they're saying right now by joining hands is, I'm receiving ministry and I'm giving ministry to the one next to me. And right now we are in agreement. We are, Lord, bound together by faith in Jesus Christ. And we are right now believing for an absolute transformation in our lives. We submit our lives right now to you in Jesus' name. We bow to you and we give you lordship of our lives. Lord, every impediment that we have in our lives right now, you individually right now know what those impediments are and what those problems are. You just right now in your own mind and spirit surrender it to the Lord. We give it to you right now, Lord. We let, we let go of it. We don't want to hang on to it anymore. We don't want to be used by it anymore. We don't want to be manipulated by it anymore. We are surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
we say that from this moment on, we're believing, Lord, for you to hold our hand and to walk us into victory. Father, right now, I bind every demonic force that tries to empower a person's mind, their emotions, their body, their spirit, tries right now to come and intimidate them. I bind every intimidating spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I curse you, Satan. I curse you in the name of Jesus. I curse you. Get out. You have no right over this people or anyone in this place. God is in control. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. I bind you all of your evil forces and I set this people free I thank you Lord pastor's been praying for a revival we're going to see revival in this place we're going to see revival we're going to see transformation of lives we're going to see people coming here that are going to be transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ be set free for whom the son is set free is free indeed where the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands now and just begin to thank the Lord for what He's doing right now. Just begin to praise Him for your victory. Begin right now. Begin to declare your freedom in Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.